This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, our 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game, but today we're going to focus on one specific level, the nitty-gritty cold hard numbers. Uh, That's right, I've got usage statistics, I've got faction breakdowns, I've got meta-analysis, and I have our 2017 year interview. Of course, I'm not doing it alone, I've never been very good at math, so... I brought the number one orc player ranked in the ITC. Let's give a big wah welcome to Val Heffelfinger. There'll be no wahing on this podcast, I promise. But uh, and, and as I'm also bad at math, I brought Excel. Ooh, and special guest, Microsoft Excel. The, Microsoft special, Excel. the specialist guest. <laughs> Putting in major, major work. And Val, I think you're pretty, pretty good at math. I think you're pretty all right at math. I think, you know what, Excel's a math expert. We're just we're just the color commentary, for sure. Uh, so as I said, we're going to include tournaments from the top 15 uh, result tournament results from the top 15 biggest tournaments of Eighth Edition. We're going to go over usage statistics for the factions for the whole year, both Eighth Edition and Seventh Edition broken down, as well as for the entire year. I think there's some really good stuff in there, and we're also going to go over some of our favorite moments of the 2017 year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Competitive 40k has changed so much. And one final thing, this is episode number 50. I never thought it would hit episode 50. I thought you guys would get bored of me and Reese would cancel me. Uh, that is not the case. Um, i just joking. I've actually had a lot of fun with you guys. You guys are the coolest listener base. I consistently get emails of feedback telling me I'm good at a job. I get phone calls, people telling me that they love my work, they love listening to me. Um, hundreds of people have told me that they got into competitive 40k and they got into tournaments because of this podcast um so it's the best podcast it's it's a it's a fantastic podcast people are going to love this podcast thanks and this is this will be episode 50 will be probably one of my favorite episodes it's an episode i've always wanted to do so i'm super excited also Pablo, i just i just like to say that although i'm a third time caller i've also been a long time listener i think i have listened to all 50 podcasts oh, Anyone which is Go ahead. Messed up to say. It's messed up to say. <laughs> Anyone who has listened to all 50, uh, just email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. Uh, let me know. Just let me know how I did uh, 50 episodes. Here's to another 50 more. Happy holidays. And one final announcement before we begin. I'd like to say that this will be the last episode of 2017. I'm going to take a little bit of a break to enjoy the holidays with my beautiful daughter, my beautiful wife, and my family. Um, so I will see you guys probably the first 
Monday of January after the 1st of January. Uh, so we'll jump right into that. And that'll be LVO coverage. It'll be big. We'll hit the ground running. I've got co-hosts lined up for that. I'll probably be recording before then, um, but I want to take a little bit of a break from that. So see you guys in 2018 after this episode. Now, disclaimers. The statistics in this episode were pulled from a combination of the ITC database and from exclusive statistics pulled from the Best Coast Pairings player app. These statistics, though they are very thorough, are not inclusive and subject to human error. We did the best that we could, and given the sheer amount of data that we sifted through, I personally think we did a pretty great job accurately representing the information that the data gave us. Uh, so, bear that in mind. We are human, we mess up, but this data is really awesome and definitely worth looking at. And I want to give one shout out to Best Coast Pairings, one out of many shout outs to the Best Coast Pairings guys. Those guys are awesome. They worked really hard um, getting us information. Uh, it was very exclusive. Um, they did a great job, and they're, they're running an amazing app. And also Reese and Frankie as well for getting me ITC stats. So and I could have done it with it, everything. Go ahead. And I just want to say uh, to, like, first of all, like big thank you to the, the BCP guys. They took some time time out to, to give us some uh, a cool data dump. Uh, so we got a lot of the results uh, as a result of that. Um, the total number of tournament entries, so that means the total amount of times people entered a tournament, basically in 2017 to date, is 11,096. So even if we've gotten some things wrong, if, if some people didn't uh, represent their factions accurately, I'd like to think that's a big enough sample that we can feel pretty confident that we're going to have a good read of the meta. And I just also want to say to everybody out there, if you're a competitive player, if you value this kind of data, if you value being able to go to a tournament and enter in your scores right at your table and have cool things like an app, highly encourage everyone out there, go out there, get a subscription, chip them in a few bucks every month. Uh, it helps them improve the app. It, it allows them to maybe make a bit of a living off of it. Probably not too much of one. Mostly it lets them keep the lights on. So please, I encourage everyone, go out and get a subscription. It's, uh, it's, it's well worth it uh, even just to keep it going. I couldn't have said that better myself. Go into the App Store, iTunes, Apple, Microsoft, doesn't matter. BCP Player App is the name of the app. Uh, give them a subscription. Val pretty much got it covered in. Yeah. So, and, and one thing you can't do this way is, uh, is you know, in order to actually see what the lists are, we can tell you like what the overarching story is, but to actually go see the nuts and bolts, you've got to be a subscriber and you've got to be able to actually go out and read the lists. Um, so uh, that's something uh, that is a massive benefit that you get for subscribing to BCP. Right. Or if you just want to prove us wrong, if you're like, hey, you know what, uh, you guys are wrong about this tournament, and I want to figure it out. I want to look at it myself. You can subscribe into the BCP. I know there's a few of you out there. I know if you probably already opened up your apps just waiting to see what we got wrong. That's okay. I know you guys exist, and bring it on. Anyways, without further ado, I'm going to give you guys a 2017 competitive 40K year in review. Starting with the beginning of the year last year, the release of Magnus and Gene Sealer Colts in late 2016 shook up the meta. We had Magnus, Renegades, Battle Company, Death Stars, Riptide Wing. Do you guys remember Riptide Wing? I know I do. It sucked. And Eldar, of course, the big, looming Eldar beast monsters. And with the LVL looming, many people wondered if the power creep was going to get worse. It is. Or it was. Also, with the Gathering Storm series being announced, our worst fears were going to get confirmed. Gathering Storm, boom. That was actually a pretty big, exciting release. Then we had the LVO. Matt Root, of course, won the ITC Championship, and Brett Perkins won the LVO. 
Gilliman was also announced. That's always going to be a very, very special place in my heart. I remember when Gilliman was announced and teased. And I remember. What, what was the day? Where uh, were you standing? I, I was actually drinking a beer, talking to Rob from Twitch when I found out. Um, <laughs> really? GW Rob, yes. So I was like, that's magical. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, boom. It was it was super exciting. Um, Honest Wargamer Rob, by the way. Honest Wargamer Rob, you're right. Check out his stuff. It's really funny. Uh, and the Inari, which were just recently released but not allowed at the LVO, were set to become the most powerful faction released in recent years. Uh, which may or may not still be a true statement depending on how you judge Death Guard, though I do think Inari are the single most powerful faction that they've released since Tau. I don't know. It's since since New Ooh. Eldar. Uh, it's it's Ooh. it's pretty Inari pretty powerful. Um and as we'll see later on, it's great. So after that, with the seventh edition meta stagnating and rumblings of a new edition tournament attendance steadily declined following Adepticon, a trend which I noticed immediately um, right after Adepticon, tournament attendance dropped dramatically. We all were waiting for a new edition. I think GW was waiting patiently. They released some Major Sigmar stuff, some more Gathering stuff, Storm stuff. But other than that, not a whole lot. Then finally, June 17th hit. We got our new edition of 40k, 8th edition. It was amazing and hot on its heels. One of the biggest turns of the year at ATC, uh, which immediately pointed out all of its flaws. We got Primaris Space Marines. We had all the indexes. We had 8th edition. ATC, it was a crazy time to be a 40k podcaster, a 40k news outlet. There was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts, and everyone had their own opinions. Uh, I remember I was very, very optimistic, but I know a lot of people were very negative, a lot of people were kind of in the middle, but I think we can all agree that it was a brave new world, and and it was definitely going to be different. It was a big step for GW. And then, of course, the summer of 8th edition hit, uh, marked a lot of change, brought two factions into the limelight in Astro Militarum and Chaos Space Marines, which were almost immediate. Uh, of course, it brought Storm Ravens out, brought the flocks, the Razorwing flocks, just a ton of conscripts, ton of ton of interesting things that we'd never seen before. Uh, but coming out of the summer, summer of 8th edition, going into Nova, we for sure saw Guard and Chaos Space Marines becoming the two best factions. And... They hadn't been the best factions in a very long time, so that was really cool. Sorry about that. Uh, just My mouse just kind of fell. Uh, through the fall and the winter, GW continued with its relentless Codex release schedule that ensured 40k players would never have a stable meta in 8th edition, which is still true to this point. We have Chaos Demons coming, Blood Angels and Dark Angels just got released, and I doubt they're going to slow down the Codex release any further. Uh, we're now in December, Inari's nine-month-long reign as the top faction, the top single faction that they've released in recent years, has been nerfed into the ground, and Chapter Approve reigned in Forge World and gave each non-Codex faction more options. So, here we are. I think now Death Guard are the top faction released recently. I guess the top newest faction, if we... Well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Primaris Marines are... Uh, you're, not, you're right. We don't know. The The future looks good for Primaris Space Marines. They might be the new faction. Things are on the up and up. Them. Yeah, it, they, I, I could consider them a new mini faction or a new faction. For sure. Uh, yeah, so so right now, Death Guard, Primaris Space Marines, Inari, Gene Sealer Colt, Death Watch. Those are, those are the big ones. I remember when Admech were the new kids on the block, and everyone's super pumped about Admech, but um, they're they're old news now. Yeah. I want to shout out something that is so taken for granted at this point, uh, but was a big thing that dropped. I guess I don't even, I can't remember. It was before the after the LVO, but the seventh edition final FAQ. 
we had remember I don't know if you remember a year ago we we had it we had a draft uh, going and that seventh edition got a final fact um, just this time last year and it took all of seventh edition essentially to get it now we're complaining about too many FAQs so <laughs> careful yeah. what you wish for I, I yeah I remember that the FAQ was big um, it affected the, it's the entire game yeah yep, it, was, it was great <laughs> but that that was good on GW for keeping up the trend I think FAQs are the right way to go. Um, now it's less about arguing about FAQs and just arguing about frequency, which they seem to have resolved with the, with their big announcement about the super FAQs happening in March and September. Uh, but anyways, that all of that happening, chapter approved, this is going to mark the beginning of the end of a very interesting ITC season. I cannot wait for the climax. I say that all the time. It's true. And big. I'm excited. It's it's big. Now I I don't hear that all the time. I just hear the climax part. The, the, the big is <laughs> never hear that. The, those are foreign words to me. Just joking. On to the 2016-2017 highlights. This is just some fun stuff I thought of. Uh, just it's always important to look back. I feel like it's always important to look back uh, on the year and things that I'm passionate about. Um, 40k is no exception. Uh, just to be optimistic, right? So here are five units that I've just noticed in no particular order, um, that have gone from zero to hero, units that, that were terrible, uh, were widely considered terrible, um, and now are really good. So, first one is Imperial Knights. I know, I know they're not used a lot. I know they're not, they don't, they're not shaking up any, any metas, but just, I just remember how bad Imperial Knights were. Um, they were over-centralizing at 1.6th edition when the Adamantine Lance showed up, but even then, I just, I always felt like Knights just didn't do it. And then, 8th edition happened, you're like, whoa, they've got 12 attacks, they've got all these shots, they have how many wounds? Like, they're, they're just, they've just dramatically increased, they're still, I, just the general idea of a knight brings them down, just because there's so many points, uh, and they just don't do enough for what their points, they just don't give it back enough, and I think that will always be true for as long as a knight exists. Um, I but, don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I mean, because we're in the top 5, and we're in the 5 spot, I mean, I'm just gonna, you know, contradict you a little bit go the opposite extreme i'm just gonna say like vehicles oh vehicles in <laughs> what, general you, you know in general uh you know the imperial knight was maybe a one of the rare vehicles you saw on the table in seventh edition right and uh you know i mean they, they could add a little heft to to a list nice in general i don't know if they're heroes no. but 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 a razorback like think of oh battle <laughs> think company. of how much better that is now battle company well yeah no, they were free before were everywhere <laughs> unfortunately if, if, if a razorback if a razorback wasn't free it wasn't going to be on the table that's that's true that's true but i, I unfortunately battle company was a thing so i, I decided to Fair. disclude all of those free vehicles um but uh, you could make an argument for any vehicle dreadnoughts storm ravens imperial yep. knights uh mm-hmm. all all very good so number two Corn Berserkers, they should probably be number one in a lot of people's hearts, but Corn Berserkers, I remember when they were the laughing stock. You know, they they didn't have a uh, an updated kit. They still don't have a real updated kit. Uh, they were they were garbage. Um, no one liked using them. Everyone wanted them to be good. And I'm sure there's some fringe people who who ran Corn Berserker rush lists and and absolutely destroyed people in 2016. Um, but how how deep how deep was your Corn Berserker stockpile in in the secondhand oh, shop? Huge. You know what? My first secondhand coming shop into purchase eighth, eighth edition. Yeah, my first secondhand shop purchase was a huge army of Necrons and Corn Berserkers. Not not Chaos <laughs> Space Marines, but Corn Berserkers and actually some like Noise Marines and just general yeah. Chaos Space Marine stuff like. 
so minus you sold the Heldrakes. Half of that oh, I, I sold all of it, but but <laughs> but I remember Corn Berserkers being the, you know like something I was flooded with, and then when Eighth Edition hit, I couldn't. I still don't have any Corn Berserkers. Like they're impossible. Everyone's just holding on to them now. I'm like, give me your Corn Berserkers. They sell really well now. Um, number three, Gene Steelers. Gene, if Corn Berserkers were the laughing stock of the 40k meta in seventh edition, Gene Steelers were like the humor, the humorous log, it's like laugh stock log. Anyways, Gene mm-hmm. Steelers were even even funnier than Corn Berserkers. Gene Steelers were well, the, the butt end. Of, they were they Tyranny Gene Steelers. Once Gene Steelers called. Came oh out, yeah, that, yeah. That was tyranny, a good, good reason to get him on the Tyranny Gene Steelers. But then that that made Tyranny Gene Steelers even more hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's no, but Tyranny Gene Steelers. I just when I first started the hobby, I just had so many friends, and I still have so many friends who have 200, 300 Gene Steeler models, um, who always complain. They're like, I've got my 400 Gene Steelers, and I'm never going to use them again, because they killed the Imgarl Gene Steelers, and it's like, well, they kind of brought them back, and now Gene Steelers are, are part of, you know, a linchpin in one of the strongest factions right now, which is Tyranids. Uh, Tyranids, yes. Gene Steelers are terrifying. They're a troop's choice. They kill everything. Uh, you want to run a big mess. squad. They can cover a Broodlord, which is another stupidly powerful character. Um, you know, Gene Steelers, they're back. And I, there were so many different I mean, Tyranid choices. You could say the entire Tyranid faction um, and put that in the slot, and that would be okay too. Um, but I highlighted <laughs> Gene Steelers because I think they were just by far I mean, the, the butt I mean, of next, jokes. Next to the, uh, the next thing on your list here, I mean, they're all right. <laughs> all right, so after Gene Steelers, Storm Boys... Uh, I, hey. I could have picked any orc. I could have picked most orc infantry. Um, I went with storm boys uh, because they were they have been consistently the strongest performing orc unit um, in eighth edition from start to finish. So I picked them. Uh, storm boys have gotten dramatically better. Uh, I didn't even know. To be honest, I didn't even know storm boys were a thing before eighth edition. Like I always knew there were like jump pack. Like that orcs. they didn't exist. No, no. Like I always knew there were like jump pack orcs because there's like jump pack. Units yeah. in every faction, right? Like, there's, like, the yeah. fast unit, right? Um, uh, but I knew, like, there were orcs that, that were like that, but I didn't know anything about them. Um, and then I found out, like, they're, they're, like, these organized orcs. They're, like, the rebellious orcs who, like, order and... and Blood axes, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> but but I didn't know anything about Storm Boys. I didn't even know who their HQ was. Now it's like, whoa. Shine their boots. Yeah, dude, Storm Buddy, Boys. Uh, the, the, the Storm Boys actually, like, in comparison to Corn Berserkers, uh, if you want Storm Boys even before, like you can't find the Muse because no one owned them ever. Like yeah. so, like the the new the, the newish model for Storm Boys is gorgeous. It's awesome, but you can't you you got you got to buy them brand new, which you can do from, from your friends at Frontline Gaming, and it's one of the cheapest infantry boxes you can buy. It it is. So it's actually go. a really good deal. Um, but so I good. I mean I ran the secondhand <laughs> shop for for several months before Eighth Edition, and I'd never seen a Storm Boy model. Um, and I still have never and, seen a Storm Boy model. I haven't passed the Storm Boy model through the secondhand shop. Um, clearly, but, clearly, I'm biased in, on this topic, but you could pretty much anything that ends in boys, including boys, weird <laughs> boys, pain boys, mech boys, anything that ends in boys got better. Yes. Uh, like miles better. So oh, yeah. it's a good day to be green. Oh, yeah. And then finally, my number one choice, I did say in Moving no particular on. order. Okay, let's see what's next. <laughs> um, is uh, the big Papa Smurf himself, Gilliman. Uh, quick, for those of you who remember when Gilman came out, tell me what his special abilities were. This is funny because you actually had to point this out to me. Yeah. Um, 
but I actually forgot what I pointed out to you. That's how forgettable Seventh Edition Gellman was. Um, Just the fact that he was terrible and he that was, he, he was, was really he was super. Un- I remember trying to make a Gilliman Seventh Edition list last, uh, and people were like, "You're you're you're garbage. You're terrible. Like why take Gilliman out? He's bad." And he was. He was really bad. And then eighth edition hit, and like, like talk about 180. You know, just completely super powerful. Um, getting nerfed. Uh, being on every space marine, in mo- on most space marine lists, not every space marine list. Um, but you know, it's just it's funny. So zero to heroes. Those are just some fun things I wanted to talk about. Uh, also another cool thing is in 2017 to 2016. Uh, I just want to talk about some ICC statistics. So in 2016, we had a total participation number of 5,575 people. So if you're one of those 5,000 plus people, quick golf clap to you in 2016. Um, and in 2017, we have 6,333 participants to date, um, which is yeah. a 14. And that's just year to date too, right? Yeah, that's just year to date. So we still have the Las Vegas Open. We still have the Golden Sprue Cup in January. Uh, and we still have some minor fringe tournaments that can get more people into it. So we should, you know, I, I think we probably won't break 7,000, um, but 6,700, 6,600 <laughs> isn't, isn't too much to point out. And the other cool if thing, if we uh, if we get all if we get all of your listeners to just bring a friend to the next tournament, we will crack. Well, we would blow seven thousand out of the water, but maybe. if like half your listeners, oh yeah, uh, like just brought a friend in the next tournament, we're gonna hit seven thousand unique participants. That would no be cool. sweat. So guys, if you're listening to this and you have and a friend is on fringe, they've never been into ITC tournament. My first large tournament was the Las Vegas Open in 2015. That was my first big tournament. Actually, I think it was 2014. It was. First big turn. It was 2014. First big tournament of the of my 40k career. Um, just was dive right in there. Open. Yeah, just dive right into it. I had a blast. I got crushed by one of the best players who who won two best ITC faction in two factions two years in a row, three different factions. Uh, John Paul Moet. I got crushed round one. That was my very first tournament game. Uh, just you know, go to a tournament. I highly suggest the LVO. Uh, bring a buddy if they're on the fence. But I just I wanted to highlight that not only did we get a 14% increase, which is cool, um, we got an 84% increase and a 58% increase in people who've attended three or more events, right? So yes. in 2016, there were 345 people who attended three or more events. In 2017, it's, five, it's almost 550, uh, which is a 58% increase, and that number will go up with the Las Vegas Open for sure. And then, of mm-hmm. course... The big number, the cool number, is 179 people in 2016 attended four more events. Now it's 329. That's an 84% increase. That'll go up even higher with the Las Vegas Open. Um, There was a little bit of a downturn in people attending five-plus events, but like I said, the Las Vegas Open is coming. So I imagine a big shift in those numbers all going up. So So if you... If you even just look at, like, the total number of players who went to more than one tournament... Uh, this year, so far, there's been 1,989. So you could use that as like a gauge of people who actually are like, you know, looking out for ITC tournaments, trying to get out there and, and, and get their numbers up. Last year, with the full year in, there was 1,783. So there's definitely been a raise in participation of committed players, but also there's been a massive improvement of people going out there and trying uh, you know, tournaments even just once. So the, 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 the amount of people who have just gone out and tried 
uh, an ITC tournament this year is 4,344, so one appearance only, and that's a 15% increase over last year. So tournament numbers are definitely up across the board and really up in the people who are out there trying hard to uh, to get their points and max out their points. So I'd suspect a lot of people, you know, between now and, and January, maybe even just expecting the LVO to be their fifth score. Uh, you know, there's a you know, very famous sandbagger uh, out there named Sean Naden, I think, mm-hmm. uh, still looking to, uh, to to add that last score. Uh, he might also just remove the duplicate in the rankings. Um, you know, <laughs> so that that number, that 84, will probably come down, but we'll still have massive massive growth in like committed ITC players, which is the cool story here. Right. And if you've only attended one event or zero ITC events, um, first off, if you're listening to this podcast, welcome. You're awesome. Um, never attending an ITC event, listening to this podcast. Uh, you're definitely in the minority, um, and I respect that. Are you? Uh, I think so. Being a competitive 40k podcast and having listeners who have attended zero events, uh, that you know, zero ITC events, that would be ITC event. See, yeah. that, that's something I, I'd love to shout out. Yeah, like, it'd be a, very interesting. A, a, around here, around here, uh, like, uh, so I'm up in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, even a year or two ago, there were no ITC ranked events around. And the main reason was TOs didn't really understand what the ITC was. They thought they'd have to, you know, like use the comp or like swear allegiance to recent Frankie or do something <laughs> weird. And a lot of them just need to be told, hey, this is a fun ranking system. It's kind of like Xbox Lives for minis. Can we please just rank this as an ITC event? That's literally all you have to do to make it an ITC event is tell someone at Frontline Gaming. So get out there, talk to your TOs. If you don't have ITC events around, it's very easy to get them. You just got to talk to your TO. That person probably doesn't even know how easy it is. That's a really good point, Val. Uh, The ITC is growing and will continue to grow as long as more and more people realize it. Uh, We had a pool of 45, almost 4,500 players who just attended one single event. So if you're a TO and uh, you're looking to tap into a resource, tap into more and more people to come to your events, new people, there's a large group, but it'll grow even bigger. And and 40K is a huge hobby, huge game, uh, and I think we're going to see more growth. Now, I, having said that, I want to highlight some events in two, that in 2017 were really overachievers, some events that I, I really, really thought their TOs pulled out all the stops, their TOs did a really good job, and promoting their events. I just want to give them credit where credit's due. Of course, if you're a TO of any 40K event and you're listening to my podcast, you know I am a huge fan of TOs. I am I, always on the TO side in arguments. I, I love what the TOs do for 40K community. And for me personally, in my career as a 40K uh, analyst and 40K person, um, TOs, you, what you guys do, can words can never describe how much effort you guys put into uh, this game and expanding this game so quick shout out to all the tos out there but these are some tournaments that you know they i want to give them a shout out uh that will either hit the two the 100 player mark in 2018 and are not nova adepticon any frontline gaming event atc etc or the london gt because those events are are the largest events they're the cream of the crop there they consistently hit over 100 players and i feel like they already get enough coverage and people already know about them they're on people's radar um now here's a tournament first tournament I want to give a shout out to. People definitely know about this tournament. Um, it's definitely not a small time tournament. Warzone Atlanta hit 109 players this year and 108 mm-hmm. players last year. Um, so it hit consistently over 100 players 
in two years in a row. I, I think they probably hit over 100 players the year before, too. Um, they're a consistent tournament. Um, they were also one of the only ITC events which chose to use best overall rankings instead of just Battlescore to record ITC points. That's an important selling point for people who want it, for getting the majority of players to come to your event, um, since the majority of players are general hobbyists who enjoy the game and painting and the lore. Um, so you're, you're catering to that specific demographic of players i expect warzone atlanta next year to break the 150 player mark in 2018 with that decision and warzone atlanta these guys do a great job the masters of the forge guys do not masters of the forge um <laughs> they have a they have a gt they, have too. A, they do they have the gold forge, forge the narrative forge the narrative uh, warzone <laughs> the atlanta is warzone atlanta and its overall um and its overall ranking is uh, a big part of the reason why i'm the number one orc player in the world today and uh, I, I just think they run such a great event. They also, I mean, they might hit 150. That's if they can find, you know, a venue that they feel will be able to keep the, the spirit of the event nice and intimate and cool. They're all about the player experience. Uh, those guys are so passionate about what they do. The general staff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you got um, Kelly Wallace over there, who's uh, the actual head TO. And uh, they just got such a great crew. They're really passionate about running that event. And it's it's well worth it. It's also really hard to get a ticket so if that's something you want to do guys uh be ready with your finger on the trigger and get on that waiting list that's how i got in actually nice uh next event is an event i personally attended the iron halo uh jason horn the to is running a quality event in the midwest um it hit over 100 players or hit no, i'm sorry tens of 97 players it definitely would have hit over 100 players but we had a few drops um you're definitely going to see over 100 players next year uh this event also saw it it was a 20% increase in attendance, and its October date makes it very accessible and a good pivot event for players who want to attend uh, an event in between Nova and LVO, but want a good event for a good ITC score. So the Iron Halo uh, in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, it's a great event. Jason Horn, the TO, does a great job. They run it out of a wonderful foundation, the Rock Ministries, um, which helps kids in, in the form of after-school programs. Uh, it's just It's just a wonderful event, great atmosphere highly recommend it and they did a really good job this year they stepped it up they made all the terrain modifications that they needed to for eighth edition and just want to give them a shout out finally uh the caledonian revolution uh with a strict 100 player cutoff and event date on the cusp of the new edition this uk events 97 players has the chance of increasing to monster numbers in 2018 uh they could have easily hit over 100 players but they had that hard cutoff date at 100 or at 100 players Hard cut off at 100 players. Um, look for it in the summer if you find your summer schedule available. It is in the UK, uh, but they do run a great job out there. Uh, if you listen to the Caledonia Overwatch podcast, those guys went to the Caledonian, the Caledonian Revolution. Um, I just I wanted to give them a good shout out because they, despite the the summer the summer date and eighth edition, they did an mm-hmm. outstanding job uh, making sure that their event was a quality event. So uh, special shout out I wanted to give to the Michigan GT. Du Bois GT and the Renegade Open for all hitting 90 players. Oh, well, the Renegade Open hit 89, but I was there in spirit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them 90. Um, these tournaments should all hit the 100-player mark, and our Lichmond tournaments in the 40K community, that's the Michigan GT, Du Bois GT, and the Renegade Open. We've got special little shout-outs. Uh, Val, is there any, yeah. any Canada tournaments that, that you want to give any shout-outs to? Well, I wasn't able to attend Michigan GT this year, but I did go uh, the year before in uh, Big Bad 7th Edition. It was fantastic. Um Right now, I'd just love to shout out a couple Canadian events because, uh, as you guys may or may not know in America, uh, you're about 10 times the size of us. So you just multiply these sizes by 10, and that's the equivalent American tournament. 
This is how badass Canadians are. <laughs> so uh, out west, uh, there's the Attack X uh, GT. It hit 57, so it uh, that qualifies as a major, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, one of my personal favorites, I go every year, Capital City Bloodbath, run by the Can Hammer crew uh, out in Ottawa, our nation's capital, um, conveniently located, pretty close to America. In fact, all of Canada that matters for the most part is very close to America. So come on up, support some Canadian GTs. We come down south all the damn time. Uh, I'm just I'm just hoping I can heckle Americans in, into coming and attending some of these. Also out on the West Coast, you have the Wet Coast. Uh, 40k GT, they hit 40 players. Uh, here in my hometown of Toronto, which is Canada's largest city, we have struggled to have a, a, a true can, like competitive 40k event uh, of any size. Some guys uh, really put themselves on the line this year, got a nice venue. Uh, they created what's called the TGX GT. They're actually formerly, uh, well, they still are, War Machine organizers. Uh, TGX got real close. They got to 27 players, so it was just an RTT. Next year, I know they're looking to hopefully hit those GT numbers. Hopefully, uh, we can get some Yankees up here from down south to, to, to fatten up the numbers a bit. But uh, those are just some some ones I'd love to shout out. And and uh, Capital City Bloodbath is done in this in a, in a beautiful venue. It's right by the airport in Ottawa. Well worth your trip if you can ever make it out. Oh, yeah. Always Can- happens in August. Can Hammer does a great job. Uh, Scar from Scarcast shows up. The Can Hammer crew obviously show up. Got a lot of good friends out there. Some of them have been on my podcast. Um, but it's just Canada. There are great events in Canada. There's a great 40K community in Canada. Obviously, you guys have mini wargaming. Uh, we just have frontline gaming. Eh. You know, mini war gaming. <laughs> those guys are awesome. Uh, I think that's kind of the blessing of the curse. Like it goes back to one of the original things we talked about. You know, like mini war gaming, just crap all over tournaments, basically for the majority of their videos. So, you know, maybe that's the kind of mentality in Canada that uh, that we need to overcome. But there are still some big, awesome events that you can come to visit this great country of of ours that we have up here in Canada. Check it out. And, and one last thing on Mini Wargaming and crapping all of tournaments. Mini Wargaming Quirk, you're the man for being the only Mini Wargaming player to attend possibly the most competitive event of the year, uh, arguably the most competitive event of the year, Nova. Uh, Mini Wargaming Quirk uh, you did brought go, a, yeah. smash, a smash fucker chaos demon list, each demon list. <laughs> Um, we that, can say Smashfucker. All uh, right. I I can. You can't, Val. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but joking aside, Mini Wargaming Quirk. If you ever listen to this podcast, uh, or if someone who who talks to him on Twitch or anything wants to let him know, I want to give him a big shout out. Um, that is both a very brave thing to do, considering your Mini Wargaming background, and also a very awesome thing to do. Uh, you're supporting Nova, which is of course an awesome event, and um, you know you're bridging the gap between players who are tournament players and players who um, are definitely more casual competitive players uh, because and, we and, are two players of the same mold. And I'm just going to assume that uh, that that this is the right quirk. I'm just pulling him up in the in in the stats here. That was his one and done event. So uh, we're going to have to call out quirk. Get out there and uh, let's start stacking up some scores. Yeah, man. Don't be one of the four thousand. You got to be one of the elite three hundred. Uh, That's right. Be a, the elite them. two thousand. Elite two thousand. Uh, That's right. Two thousand active players. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and go to commercial break. I'm going to include a timestamp of this. I normally don't do timestamps because my episodes don't really go um, too long, uh, but I'm going to include a timestamp. So for those of you who want to skip all the 2017 hoopla uh, and go no, right to No, don't give them the out. Don't give them the out. I'm going to do no. it. I, I, these, my listeners have – We've uh, worked so damn hard on this. These guys are going to love it. You're, they're going to love it. 
my my listeners um deserve a timestamp for episode 50. I'm going to do it. Um but we'll get to you guys after this commercial break. Hello everyone. Petey Pop and Val Heffelfinger from Chapter Tactics episode 50. Hopefully you're enjoying the episode. I know we enjoyed recording it. If you have a brief moment, head over to frontlinegaming.org uh, where you can find FLG maps, ITC terrain, new inbox games workshop product, and second handies. Those second handies are always on special. And Val knows he is a frequent user of our second handies. That is true. Um, however, uh, the shipping doesn't work for Canadians. Unfortunately not. So Val has to get his second handies second hand. Even third handies, if you will. However, for third handies, nothing beats Frontline Gaming. Happy holidays from all your friends online and at Frontline Gaming. And we're back. So here we are. We have the usage statistics. Now, Val and I have gone over these numbers. Um, and this is a two-part for these statistics. There, We're going to talk about usage statistics, and then separately we're going to talk about faction performance and meta-analysis, mm-hmm. so performance results and the meta-analysis. So this is two parts. This part is the usage statistics, so this is strictly um, no scores, just how many people showed up to an ITC tournament, um, and some non-ITC tournaments, but I think this is predominantly ITC tournaments. And... Uh, what they brought to the list, their faction, um, what their registered faction was. Um, so just to give you just a a little disclaimer, um, not everyone reports their faction accurately. So these numbers you do want to take with a little bit grain of salt, but enough people yeah. do report their factions accurately enough for us to determine uh, what they were running or what their mindset was. Right. So, so I, I, as the Excel guy on the team, I'm just going to contradict you. This is based on 11,096 entries once again. So, you know, if we have a, you know, even even a, even a 10% error rate, you know, we're we're still looking pretty good here. I think I think I think this is a very accurate representation of 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 what factions are being played right now at ITC events. So this may not be, you know, the best view of uh, of, of of the complete. Meta, but I, I doubt that too. I, I think this is probably going to be really close to what what the shape of 40k has been in the first half and the second half of the year. All right, I could have said that better myself. Without further ado, Val, take it away. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, so like I said, this is based on um, essentially tournament finishes uh, from uh, 2017 so far. Um, and again, um, so I, I broke this out to start with. If, sort of up until June and then after June, uh, of course, representing uh, 8th edition. So looking back at um, looking back at 7th edition, uh, who were the big bads? We had um, actually, no surprise here, they're going to appear again in 8th edition, Adeptus Astartes, the Space Marines. They had 15% of all factions were there. Um, this one won't be a surprise to anyone playing 7th. 11% of all, all factions entered in tournaments were uh, Craft World Eldar. And interestingly to what you're saying and hyping up Yanari a lot, um, 
they were only recorded as 1% of all tournament entries. Uh, so they were the only – so I guess what you're getting at there, you know, maybe they weren't the primary faction, but they appeared in a lot of lists. Uh, that's possible. Uh, but uh, as far as being the primary faction, they only accounted for 1% of all tournament entries in 2017 uh, and 7th edition. Uh, this is cool to me, too, is that uh, despite the fact that Camp Space Marines had really only resurged, um, I guess, following the book that they got in, in late 2016, they accounted for almost 11 percent. Uh, and then after that was Tau at 8 percent and Chaos Demons at 5.84. That rounds out your sort of top five of seventh. Um, and I think that gives you kind of a good feel for where things were at um, as things sort of tapered off at the end there. And then you see some names to at the rest of the top 10. You had Admech, of course. Um, you had, uh, surprisingly, Astro Militarum, Imperial Guard. They were still playing. And then guys who uh, were the best of friends, Space Wolves, Dark Angels, um, things that uh, sort of hung out together. <laughs> um, so what happens? You know, what happens when 8th drops and we get some – you know, we, we, we go into index 40 K and I think, hold on before you, before you go into eighth edition, um, just some quick, some quick tidbits. Uh, yeah, the chaos space Marine number, I believe is a bit misleading, uh, because remember Magnus did come out before the LVO. Uh, so I imagine some of the, some of the Magnus, might just, some of the chaos space Marine players might've just been like Magnus primary Magnus warlord, because the faction choices were different before they were warlord, um, and majority faction, Magnus was such a high point cost model that you could have chaos soup lists, but be chaos sure. space marine primary. Um, and as for Inari, um, as I mentioned, seventh edition attendance dropped off dramatically after Adepticon, um, which I don't even think Adepticon allowed Inari. I'm not 100. I think they did, uh, but they were still such a new faction. Um, so those those numbers don't surprise me. Um, but well, I mean, I, if you if you look at the first half, so so basically post LVO to right. uh, to the beginning of eighth, you had forty six hundred basically individual play like individual tournament entries. Right. Since eighth edition, you've had almost sixty five hundred. So and that's in that's in a little bit um, less time, a little bit. So eighth edition has been around longer than seventh was in twenty seventeen. Oh that's crazy. So so the 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 drop maybe. Maybe was a bit overstated. Uh, it felt that way, but I, that's actually what I found really interesting about this is like all I I didn't really want to play in tournaments because of Yunari, but it was really still heavy Eldar essentially. That's true. Um, but again, maybe that does come down to how it's reported or where the Warlord was or whatever. But right. I felt like Yunari was certainly not like the only thing being played in Seventh Edition by a stretch. Eldar certainly were heavily represented. Right. That's that's a good point. Anyway, so sorry. Go ahead and go on to Eighth Edition. Uh, change. Yeah, so I mean, just on that, like, um, I guess we'll start with the losers, because um, uh, we were just talking about Eldar. Um, one of the m- most fascinating things is just how brutally Eldar got knocked out, and including also, I think, Tau as well. So Tau drops 30% in its appearances, and basically since 8th edition's come out. Uh, but Eldar, um, you, you can just sum this up with the Corsairs. There were Let's see, 43 appearances in 7th edition uh, for the Eldar Corsairs. In 8th edition, there have been two, two tournaments entered with someone as Eldar Corsairs primary, uh, and none have happened since um, since Nova. Um, so if you guys want to go out there and play some Corsairs and prove everyone wrong, there's a big opportunity. Uh, but just in general, like, so basically what is, whatever, uh, you know, Craft World Eldar, 
uh, is down as far as being entered in tournaments so far in eighth. I know the Codex will change this, but the Asurani faction is down 80% uh, as far as being entered in tournaments. I don't know if I said it. Tau's down 30%. Um, so some of the big bads are um, are down significantly. Yunari being named as the primary faction has actually increased. So they're before it was at 1%, now they're at 4%. Um, but even stuff like um, Admech down significantly, down 17%. It recovered a lot after the Codex came out. When um, when when Eighth Edition first dropped, um, you know, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus were only two and a half percent of all tournament entries. So like people just abandoned them in Index 40k, uh, whereas before that they were almost five percent of all tournament entries. So things like that happens. And then so who's actually stepping up to the top of the heap? Uh, is is uh, and like what armies were dusted off the shelves? What did and this to me says like what did people really wish they could play? And I think that's what Eighth Edition allowed people to do is like go to their closet, get the army that they love, and play it. And so like you see the biggest jumps in usage on things like Tyranids, and this is even before Codex Tyranids, so that's kind of impressive. This is stuff that hopefully someone from GW is listening. Um, you know, people play armies based on rules. I hope. I, I get the sense they know that now, though. <laughs> um, you know, so, so uh, Tyranids, um, you know, they more than doubled their the amount of people using them by. So they 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 were up 129 percent in usage. So they they represent six percent of all armies being played right now in 40k. The top army uh, is still um, um, Space Marines, but they were down slightly. Um, Astra Militarum, to no one's surprise, is 10 percent of all armies out there. Uh, guys like orcs, you know, almost doubled too. They're up to 6% of all armies being played. Even Dark Eldar, people dusted off. So there's all these armies that were able to be, even if they're not the, the top tier tournament winners, people were able to bring them out and use the models that they really liked. And I, I think number one thing that I love about 8th is that fact. Like I could, I immediately, the first, literally the first day of of eighth edition i had my arcs on the table and i managed to win a little rtt that we did you know it was a small rtt but like that wouldn't have happened it's like the day before <laughs> right. um you know things were suddenly competitive when before they weren't um one interesting thing i think too that i noticed in seventh edition was just how fast gene stealer cults and maybe this is the hunger for for having a a, a viable tyranid faction so in the first half of 2017, and remember, Gene Steeler Cults was a brand new range. Um, you know, they were already three percent of all armies being played. So that may not sound like much, but um, you know, three percent is still you know maybe the 11th played faction in 40k. Um, so whereas you know after the indexes came out, they ate it pretty hard because everyone just switched back to their Tyranids. <laughs> um, let me just see if I can pull. Oh, another one that was really beat up a bit by uh by eighth edition chaos demons so clearly i think that might change uh coming up very fast um but by far the story here is that everyone and so whoever whoever these days is saying like i always played eldar they're and they are playing eldar those are the guys who actually <laughs> have always played eldar That's because true. <laughs> <laughs> because they They've just been abandoned in droves. They, they, the, the meta just flooded away from them, which I find interesting because although they were always very good, which I would say, like I played Tau in 7th, I'd say Tau was very good. They weren't necessarily GT. They weren't always winning GTs, even when you combine them. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my uh, my 7th my to 8th story. Okay. Um, 
Go ahead. So, so some things I got from this, because uh, everything you highlighted is spot on important. These trends are, are very good. Um, what's kind of cool is uh, Necrons and Space Marines kind of stayed the same in terms of usage, right? The Deptus Astartes had a 4% change difference, um, and Necrons mm-hmm. had a 4% change difference as well, but one in opposite directions. Um, so that that's kind of cool. Uh, Necrons not going up or down just shows that, that maybe the Necron Codex isn't as as underpowered as we previously thought, or maybe just Necron players are just like diehard players. Like they're just like, I don't care. I'm going to play my, my faction, no matter what the edition, no matter what the format. So that's very interesting. Um, the Inari uh, jumping up to 4% faction use percentage doesn't even begin to tell that story. That's a positive 300% change from seventh edition. Um, now, if you combine yeah. the Inari, the total number of people who played Inari and Eldar in eighth edition, that number is a little under 450, um, whereas compared to 7th edition, where the number was 513. So there are 513 players who played Eldar in 7th edition versus 450-ish who played Eldar, or Inari and Eldar um, in 8th edition. So you can kind of see where the competitive players uh, shifted their focus. Some of them obviously went to other factions, um, probably Guard or Chaos Space Marines. Uh, but you can definitely see that the Eldar players who still wanted to play Eldar still had Eldar armies. They just switched over to Nari, um, which is where that huge spike came from that, that I was talking about earlier. Um, so that's kind so, of. So I mean, if you if you if you just look at it like the collapse of the, uh, oh, this we can we can uh, do a hot lead on on frontline the collapse of the Eldar meta. <laughs> uh, the, so if you just look at Eldar Corsairs, um, Craft Worlds, and Yunari, they were over 13% of all tournament uh, armies in, in the first half of the, of the year in 7th edition were one of those three, uh, the vast majority of which was Craft World. The second you go to 8th edition, that number drops to Flip. 6%. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 less than half. And, I mean, obviously that's going to pick up. I, I, I do think the, the Craft World's Codex is going to fix that. Um, but you know, that's probably going to be counterbalanced a little bit by the, the, uh, the really significant changes to how Yunari are played. Right. Um, so I think you'll see the, the Azurani, um, or the craft worlds, uh, numbers start to pick up, but I don't know. It, it's to, to have a 13% share, that's space Marine territory. Space that's Marines are always around 15%, right? Yes. Uh, I think that's something that we can see here. Like people love no matter what. Uh, they're playing Space Marines, uh, so you know, like to have an army like Eldar get get that close, like a Xenos army, is kind of insane. That tells you how good they were. Right, and another cool, interesting story that these numbers tell is diversity. Um, right, so if you look at these are the, the list of factions who've increased by 25% or more in change. So like they, these are factions that that have increased a, a fairly significant amount. Right, so we have Harlequins, Death Watch, Chaos Space Marines, Sisters of Battle. Dark Eldar, Orcs, Grey Knights, Guard, Tyranids. Those those are all factions. Like if you um, in Eighth Edition, uh, out of those factions, Chaos Space Marines and Guard hit the top four percent of were four percent or better usage. With Orcs coming out at three point seven eight percent. So just none of those factions um, in terms of usage were on on anyone's on radar, the radar at all. Right now, all of them are in the radar. That that's that's huge. That shows um, how diverse Eighth Edition is as compared to Seventh Edition. Um, 
One thing uh, that I noticed actually just before the show, and I do this thing where I always contradict you immediately, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to do it again, okay. uh, was I thought the, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, man, the the meta must be so much more diverse. We're we're probably seeing like a better spread of armies. But the fact is, the top five armies in in um, eighth edition uh, that were entered in tournaments uh, are um, so are fifty percent of all entries. So five of the twenty codexes or indexes are make up fifty percent of all armies that you're going to see on the table. In seventh edition, even though we were bored bored to tears about uh, about all those guys, let me just pull it up. Um, the top five armies accounted for fifty-one uh, percent of all of, of 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 all armies that you'd see in tournaments. So I think that one of the big big realities of um, of eighth edition is it feels fresher. It feels like there's more variety. And I I thought the exact same thing. And and I was essentially trying to get all the stats together so that we could support that exact statement um, with some actual data. But the truth is the diversity is just di- it's just that there's different armies now. Yeah, different players um, at the yeah. top. I got it. Um, and that that's a very viable point. Uh, whereas like the top five for seventh edition were Space Marines, Eldar, CSM, Tau, Chaos Demons. Um, now it's Space Marines. Chaos Space Marines, Guard, Orcs, Tyranids, um, mm-hmm. with with uh, Imperial Soup and Chaos Soup not obviously not being a part of that because they're new factions. Uh, yeah. And they weren't. They just were, didn't have a chance to go in that into those statistics. Um, and yeah. But but I think. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that that uh, Orcs t- Orcs and Tyranids breaking into the top five is just. I just feel like it's just huge in general. Um, because Eldar, if you combine Inari and Eldari, do break into the top five, um, which means that previously they're other than Tau, they're the only Xenos army that you really saw represented. Um, but now you've got the two big bads, Imperium and Chaos, who who are polar opposites, yin and yang, and I think it's always important that players always feel like they can play either of those two factions and be competitive, um, because they are GW's breadwinners. Um, but other than those two. And other than guard, it's all Xenos factions, which I think is cool. Um, I, and, and I think that that concept of breadwinners, I think uh, GW probably knows this through their sales, but um, maybe not. Like, you know, yes, Space Marines are clearly routinely and will always be popular. Always. Um, but um, you know, Xenos armies uh, clearly the second people had a chance to maybe compete with the Xenos army. People got them out and were playing with them. That's true. Um, or, or like you know, any of the sub factions that seem like they could maybe even work. Um, like we haven't even touched on it, but um, you know, Sisters of Battle, like Sisters of Battle, um, their usage, although they didn't have a big share of the meta, their usage went way up when uh, with. Um, so yeah, they were up 32 percent, and that's an all pewter army people. <laughs> yeah, they, they so, doubled. Like, they, the, or 68 yeah. people played in 7th edition Sisters, uh, or 68 individual uh, our Sisters of Battle lists went in tournaments, jumping to 126, which is it's a pretty significant change. Um, yeah. So that's um, right. And I think, I think one, one, one way to also, if we could just start segueing into, okay, well, how has 8th edition changed over time? So um, is, is to look at uh, what's happened, you know, I think, dividing the years so far up between sort of before Nova, which also came with a couple fact changes like boots on the ground. So we got out of the, the storm Raven fears and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and also codexes started coming out. So what, what's happened since Nova? 
Okay. And uh, um, one of the things that you've seen is Eldar have rebounded massively, um, not to seventh edition levels, but their usage just in the Eldari faction has doubled. Um, you know, you see Admech comes back once they get a codex, so they go from uh, let's see where were they uh, before before um, before Nova Admech was clocking in at uh, you know two and a half percent of the meta. Uh, and they, uh, since Nova, have gotten up to four and a half percent of all armies being entered. Um, the um, the other one too that keeps gaining. Um, so basically, since Nova, uh, almost 16 percent of all armies are Chaos Space Marines, uh, and then on top of that, Chaos Soup uh, is an- about another five percent. So 20 percent of all. And at at Warzone Atlanta, it felt like it was about 90 percent. Uh, <laughs> But 20% of all armies right now are basically, uh, you know, chaos and not demons. Demons uh, are not uh, really a, a big um, headliner there. They still haven't really recovered. They've actually dropped off even more, uh, and they were easily the most, probably the most prevalent, uh, you know, seventh edition bad guy uh, army. Um, uh, so yeah, and then uh, other things that have have really sort of dropped off is I think a lot of that initial thrill of being able to play whatever has come to grips with reality, especially in in competitive play. <laughs> so you see things like Tyranids hanging in there, so that maybe speaks to even how good the index builds were. Um, but they basically didn't lose ground. There's still five percent of armies out there were Tyranids. But, um, you know, Tau drops even more, so they, they're down to 4.5% of all armies being played. Um, orcs, sadly, 25% of all war bosses gave up on their orcs after Nova, um, which is too bad because I think uh, a lot of players uh, – well, maybe maybe I can come on another time and talk about orcs. But anyway, <laughs> I have talked about orcs. What am I talking about? Um, you, know, uh, you know, Space Wolves keep going down further. Uh, Gene, Gene Stealer Cult essentially doesn't exist anymore. Uh, 0.75% of all armies since Nova are Gene Stealer Cult. As mentioned, there are no Eldar Corsairs players left. Uh, so there are some endangered species out there um, <laughs> uh, as far as armies are concerned. You know, after initial initially being super jazzed, Dark Eldar uh, have dropped off, uh, you know, quite significantly. So a lot, you can see whether or not it's true, and I, and I think this is something that we can get into when we get some more, even more detailed matchup analysis at some point in the, in the near future, hopefully, um, we can see whether that it's, and I'm really curious to see how these numbers sort of support this. Is it the fact that the meta's gone to, you know, chaos and uh, Imperial Guard and Space Marines, and so that's where everyone has chased, so they're chasing that performance? Or is it the fact that, you know, a lot of these uh, index armies or under lesser power codexes? Uh, just don't have, you know, the, the tools that those bigger armies have. Um, but even something like Grey Knights, like Grey Knights Primary, you know, they actually increased from Nova uh, to present. They're, you know, 3% of armies out there are Grey Knights. That's insane. That is crazy. And, and you know, listening to those numbers, they do sound bleak, right? Because after Nova uh, uh, and after kind of like the newness, the new shininess of the new edition wore off, um, you do saw, you definitely saw these factions like Orcs, Dark Eldar, Sisters, um, all go down. However, um, you still have to remember that 4,625 different tournament lists entered in 2017 7th edition, um, or in 7th edition, uh, that number still increases to 6,471 in just 8th edition alone, right? So, so there's a there's already yeah. a significant increase um, in people playing in general. Um, so though these numbers do go down, um, I would imagine that if you were to compare 
Orc players, Dark Eldar players, and Sisters of Battle players to this point in time now, um, in 2016, I would imagine mm-hmm. those numbers all just increased dramatically anyways. Oh yeah, uh, the, the, those those factions that you just mentioned still up significantly over 7th edition. It's just, I think maybe the, some of the enthusiasm has oh, yeah. worn out. There's been some bad beats. You know, people are reading on the internet, you know, you shouldn't play this list, they suck. I see this all the time about orcs. It breaks my heart, and it's wrong. Um, so, like, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, you, you know, I, is is the only answer what the meta is playing, or is there an answer that people aren't even looking at right now? And I think some of the best players might, they, they may not wind up playing, you know, an underused faction. They might stick with what the, the meta plays, but maybe there's a counter-meta argument to be made that we can find in some of these numbers. Yeah, and, and you know, those people who say that, I think they they kind of have a point when you look at, um, just the 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 outside, you know, kind of like the surface of tournament results, right? Because your top three um, from eighth from the start of eighth edition to Nova are Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines, Guard in that order, and then from mm-hmm. Nova to present, it's Chaos Space Marines, Space Marines, Guard, right? Those are your top three used factions. Um, they and make all up of those 30... increase their share, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, they all increase, and you know, those guys make up more than thirty, you know, thirty, forty percent of the field. Right, so that yeah, forty percent. Yeah, yeah. When you and three factions, yeah, three factions, <laughs> and and the and the fifth faction is chaos. So it's really forty five percent is chaos, yes. space marines, chaos, uh, space marines, and Eldar. their pals in the right, guard. right, right. And and you know, so so when you see those numbers, it's very easy to blanch at at going to tournaments, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm gonna see four in every ten armies, or you know, are gonna be these three factions. And, and l- let's be real here: uh, guard, chaos, space marines, space marines, chaos, imperial soup, chaos soup. Um, they're all you know the same color of the rainbow. Or they're they're all different. They're all pies of the same pie. They're all different flavors Pieces of the, of the same, same pie. pie. Yes, okay. different. Nice uh, I was gonna get there. Um, out of the park. Right, right. So, so you know, these players, if they're cheesecake, these players are going. They're eating the, they're eating cheesecake. Like, like, oh, this might be Reese's Cup cheesecake, you know, today, but it's still cheesecake. Like, maybe they want apple pie. You know, they want some, some mm-hmm. orky lemon lime or lime pie, um, key lime pie, some orky key lime pie, or whatever, right? Okay, you're losing us. So the point is, the point is, is that, <laughs> that um, I see where you guys are coming from, especially just judging from these user statistics. But don't let it get you down. Um, there are there's more people playing and uh gw i guarantee you if they don't they aren't listening to this episode um which i have been told that gw does listen to this episode or the, this, <laughs> this does listen to this I, podcast um, i hope they do because there's some serious intel on right. what's going on with their game here so, oh absolutely GW, listen up <laughs> listen up gw but um i guarantee you gw knows about this i in some form or another to some degree they know that the, the dominant factions right now in the meta are these three or those two factions essentially Imperium and Chaos. Right? Well, I mean they, they, they've they got that. they've got their uh, they've got their grand tournament heats going on right now. Um, and I, I think too, I mean if you look at Nova to present, uh, again Chaos Space Marines, Adeptus Astartes, Astra Militarum. Uh, you know what do those guys have in common? The oldest codexes. Um, you know, and, and then you know, and I and I've shouted out Grey Knights as somehow still appearing in the meta. So like. You know, those guys have not only what were considered to be fairly powerful builds to begin with, but they've also had their books for the longest. So people may, may have just sort of made their move towards things that have a codex and maybe left behind things that were working. I don't know. I, I think there's some more analysis to, to have a look. I like to be, uh, uh, you know, um, counter uh, – 
uh, what's the word? Contrarian. So uh, I'm, I'm probably wrong. There's 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 wisdom in crowds, too. And uh, clearly these armies are, are doing very well, which we could use as a nice segue. Yeah. So let's go ahead and go on to performance results and meta analysis. So hey. we have the usage. Um, now, how well are these armies actually doing at the top level, at the higher level? You know, um, they're being played more, um, which means you can safely assume that probably guard space marines and chaos space marines are performing really well. Um, but the numbers actually kind of tell a different story. So first we're going to talk about the uh, average ITC points scored across all tournament placings in 8th editions. So this is, this <clears> is how, how, what the average ITC points were for each faction. So the average ITC points scored per player is 62 ITC points. That's, that's yeah. the average. So that's going to be our benchmark. Um, that'll be what so we're on average, if you, if you were to enter, if you were one of the 11,000 tournament entries... Uh, you know, right in the middle of that 7, pack. It's... In 8th edition, 7,000. Well, okay, plus. sorry. There you go. Right, sorry. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. so this is 8th edition. Uh, you know, you're going to land somewhere around 62 points if you're just Joe Blow. Yes, at 62 points. Um, so the, the, the funniest number to me immediately to reach out is Necrons. Necrons average 53 points a game compared to 62 points. That's that's low. So Necrons underperform consistently. The only faction that underperforms more than Necrons is Death Watch. Yeah. And yeah. and yep. <laughs> yeah, and Necrons on top of that are in the top 10 in usage. So so they're the most used faction that that consistently does the worst. So Necron players, when when I hear you guys or when I read you guys co- about you guys complaining about your faction online, I understand. I see it. <laughs> I see got some, the numbers. Got they, they've got legitimate complaints, you know, because you guys are showing up to tournaments, but you're you're not getting, getting results. You I, and I, I hear you. I hear you guys. Um. So so Necron players, um, you guys legitimately, I feel, have uh, one of the worst factions or one of the worst indexes. Um. Right now, I'm very sorry, but um. And, hopefully that'll and, change. And, and, and to frame that a little bit more, to just kick some more dirt on uh, or some more sand on the poor Necron players, um, there have been, uh, out of you know, 386 first-place finishes since 8th edition, uh, 10 first-place finishes for Necron. So if you're one of those people out there, pat yourself on the back. Uh, you are less than 1%. <laughs> um, now, and before we go on to the rest of the faction places, I just really want to rewind. Um, the average players per ITC event, uh, was 18 players per ITC event. Uh, that number is is important for two reasons. One, it, it shows growth from 2016 to 2017, uh, and two, that's um, only a few people, uh, maybe about like half a tournament away from every tournament being a GT or the average tournament being a GT, right? So that that's that's, well, that's a bit extreme. Uh, you're you're right. a little far there. <laughs> maybe maybe you're right. But it's 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 pretty. I think actually once we once you scrub out a few things that that got left in there, the number would legitimately probably creep up closer to twenty. Which that's is true. Neat. Um. So yeah. so that means that your average ITC event, and you're right. There there are some when we're going over the statistics, there are some anomalies in there. Uh, events with just one person, for example, which are obviously not real events. Um, they're just leftovers, kind of like the 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 leftovers of the statistics which you're bound to get. Um, so that number is Val's right is closer to 20. Um, when you are when you think about ITC events and you're listening to this podcast, or if you've got buddies who want to attend ITC events, events, um, you know, on average they're going to get about 20 players per ITC event. That's that's cool. You know, a 20 person IT, uh, a 20 person event is is an event. Um, 
that that can be community building that you know can represent everyone in a specific 40 community at any given time um who is playing right so that that's cool i, I just i like that number it gives me a warm fuzzy feeling um just so that if the, another good way to look at it is in the world there were uh it looks like about 64 tournaments last year or this year so far uh that were above 28 players so gt size so that means that there's a gt happening more than more than ever more than even once a week that's awesome. Which is nuts. That's crazy. Which is nuts. Some yeah. of those will be RTs, but you're probably thinking, you're probably looking at a pace right now in our community where there's a GT happening somewhere once a week. Plan your vacations accordingly. <laughs> um, so back to the faction, the faction averages. Uh, chaos, the chaos soup is by far the highest performing faction, uh, relevant faction. Um, Renegades and Heretics averaged 79 ITC points, but their sample size is so tiny. Um, that it's yeah. really kind of, that number is really kind of skewed. Um, that just means that the few, like all two renegade and heretics players that there are, are doing really well at events. Like a uh, few. Yeah, events. I don't know why they gave up. I don't know why they gave up on it. Yeah. There's only 16 entries um, for the whole faction. But, but considering <laughs> there's only a combined uh, six top three scorings from that faction out of 7,000 plus results. Um, just goes to show you that it, it's really just a few people. Uh, but Chaos Soup um, is consistently doing the best with an average of 72, followed by Chaos Demons, um, which is really surprising. And actually, Chaos Demons in general are really surprising. Though their usage statistics went down, we had 27 people uh, get first place with Chaos Demons, 23 get second place, and 20 get third place. So that that's that's really high performance. Um, and it just... I said it last year, a long time ago, that Chaos Demons have some of the best players mentally, um, just that have played that play the game, right? Chaos Demons, just that faction, just for some reason, just draws in really good 40k players, and I think this kind of holds true. This this number kind of shows that, uh, though there aren't a lot of Chaos Demon, a lot of Chaos Demon players probably switched to Chaos Soup or Chaos Space Marines. Um, the mm-hmm. Chaos Demon players who went Chaos Demon Primary, they they stuck to their guns, and it shows. Um, in the placings. So that's really cool. Um, but your top three performing factions, uh, in terms of relevant large factions, are Chaos, Chaos Demons, and Adeptus Sororitas. This is a battle. Just wanna, Go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you real quick, just double back, and just a little uh, digging there on the Renegades and Heretics placement. Uh, actually, three different winners, uh, one of which Tony Myers uh, of, fam- of, uh, of competitive 40K fame, one with Renegades and Heretics. So there you go. Tony. And uh, Tony also has... I think he's tied for the second most ITC events attended period. I think at 14. Oh, do we want to double back to that? Uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll, right, we'll do we'll, that later. We'll, but, another day. But Tony, I'm, I'm going to give you a shout out because he's, when we're looking at that number, um, there are only like three or four people that hit the 14 plus mark for ITC events scored, and Tony's one of them. So Tony Myers, you're the man. He's also a TO, runs events up in Northern California. I want to give Tony a big shout out. Um, he's a community leader, but, uh, so chaos soup, chaos demons, um, are by far the highest performing factions. The highest performing faction that has the highest usage statistics, um, is Inari, um, with 68, uh, or I guess Inari slash Eldar, um, cause Eldar come out at 66 and Inari come out at 68. Um, so they're performing really well. Eldar performing really well. Um, they also don't have a lot of first place finishes with 22, um, and then second place finishes at 17, and then very, oh, I guess 23rd place finishes. So they're they're doing, you know, pretty well. Um, in terms of first place finishes, though, by far guard 
are probably the best. They, their average is 65, so they're about average. But considering how many guard players came out of the woodwork to start playing 8th edition, and how high mm-hmm. their usage statistics jumped with a, a one, over 100% increase, um, it isn't surprising that their average numbers went down um, as more players who just play guard who, who want to have fun, more casual players, so to speak, who aren't going to win events. Um, those... no, they, they are, and I, I will point out that they, they are leading the, the you know total amount of, of first placings at 47. Yes. Uh, but but I mean, again, it's the chaos and chaos space Marines thing of 76 go to those two factions together. Yes. So, yeah, and yeah. that, that the first place, first places are obviously huge. Um, but even if you get to the bigger picture of that chaos space Marines are in the top two, well, they're actually, they're the most second place finishes and the most third place finishes out of all the factions. Um, and then the second most first place finishes out of chaos space Marines. Um, so if you want to make a top three, uh, Chaos Space Marines is by far the best, the faction that gets you the highest percentage of getting to a top three at any ITC event at any given time. So that's that's pretty Sounds huge. Like that uh, looks about right to me. Right. Um, and then one other thing um, that I wanted to point out is Imperium or Imperium Soup. Uh, they, they get a lot of a negative, a lot of hate um, online, but the Imperium Soup faction is actually very low uh, with a first place count of just 14 and then a second place count of 12 and a third place count of 16. So so they're they're not very very high considering that there are more people who've gotten first place with guard than imperium players who've gotten first, second and third in all ITC events. That's right. Right. But I mean again that, that that does come I mean a lot of this does come down to you know, like how you split up your factions but that says to me that people are seeing more value in being majority guard or majority chaos space, space marines, marines for the buffs that you get from the codex right so like the soup factions are there but the you know clearly the value of stratagems warlord traits um you know the uh, and 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 uh, detachment bonuses and all that kind of stuff uh is clearly outweighs the soup factions at this point see, which i think is kind of interesting see see now um it, it's also more interesting when you take into account that there were uh 4000 plus people who who played 8th edition pre-Nova, which is pre-Stratagems. Because my initial thought yeah. was, oh, the reason why there's less Imperium players um, doing well is people want to include Stratagems, right? Like, oh, of course, they want to include Stratagems. But even pre-Nova, uh, there weren't a lot of Imperium players being played, and that would be the opportunity for people to play Imperium factions the most, right? Because because it's Imperial Soup and there's no Stratagems, so there's no real point in picking pure detachments right like it's, it's objectively better without the stratagems and without codexes to run soup armies in my opinion um anyways that would be that would be the logical idea but that's clearly not the case so i'm wondering if it's if it's a less um a negative stigma towards you know soup armies or more you know you know maybe it's not as powerful as as we think so that's that's kind of interesting that's a, an interesting question that that raises up uh, I th- I think it's more the former. I think people just don't like negative. Or I think people just don't like soup factions. Um, people tend to. I don't to know if that were if, if if that were true, you'd see. I mean, obviously, we've we've already talked. Chaos is the exception to this rule. They they're always ranking pretty high, and maybe that has to do with malefic lords and all that stuff. But I mean, Imperium, they have uh, you know they're they're let's see here in the top ten of first place finishes, but they only have fourteen. Orcs have done better than the Imperium faction. 25 first place finishes for orcs uh imperium also doesn't place well as far as second place finishes only 12 um so i guess there is something to be said about synergy or it could also just be that hey people prefer 
playing something that looks right. You right. Know, they don't want they don't they don't want to necessarily play something that's um, especially when you're looking at this big metadata, like how you know tastes and preferences represent themselves. Maybe that's showing up a little bit. People don't like to play soups. Yeah, and and here's here's one final thing I'll say on this uh, topic is uh you know a couple of episodes ago or I think last episode I had a which which faction which soup faction is better chaos or imperium um these numbers clearly show that chaos is the better soup faction by a lot right so first place finishes oh, not even close yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. chaos soup have 36 first place finishes tournament wins versus imperiums 14 right yeah. so, so and 25 second place finishes versus 12, 12 second place right and then um 18 third place finishes versus 16 so in two cat two of those categories they've more than doubled the amount of placings um which which you know i, I think i know people especially chaos players they they like to uh, gripe about how like uh malefic lords got hit harder than primary psychers um and you certainly smite spam is is definitely no matter what flavor of soup you're taking smite spam is terrible terrible for the game it's awful it's, it's very unfun um but I think the Chaos Soup armies and the Chaos armies in general were clearly the bigger culprits here, right? Just just by using looking at these numbers. Um, so Chaos, yeah. you know, Chaos Soup uh, was definitely the more powerful faction um, by by a lot, right? Um, with with Guard being the only real Imperium faction, I guess Space Marines too. Guard and Space Marines being the the Imperium faction's um, true calling. And and the the other interesting thing is, is as I was looking at Guard lists throughout the whole year. Guardless tend to be some of the most pure faction lists, right? Like a lot of the guardless yeah. I saw would run like maybe an assassin or Celestine, right? They they would splash in a teensy bit from this other faction, but they would mostly stay whole guard. And that's probably from a combination of guard being such a good codex and such a good faction overall in general, and also uh, guard players, you know, wanting to stay true to their guns, right? Because um, out of all the factions I've seen, guard players tend to be the most gung-ho about fluff, right? Like, I'm the 640th platoon reporting for duty, sir! Right? Like, like that's that's guard... Like, a, a lot of guard players are like that. Tons of them. Not make fun of you guys, right? It's actually very admirable, but um, in terms of people who name all their models uh, and write down, like, squad markings, uh, division markings, etc., etc., and really get into the fluff, the narrative side, uh, guard players are up there. They're probably... That's probably why they're one of the most popular factions. Um, yeah, that's and uh, what, something interesting to point out here too is actually since Nova, if you sort of combine, you know, um, uh, Imperium and uh, and um, sorry, if you if you combine Space Marines and Guard, which are the two most popular Imperium factions, they slightly edge sort of Chaos Soup and Chaos Space Marines as being played more. Mm-hmm. So they're so despite the fact that they're being like Imperium actually is appearing on the table more, they're getting rocked in the standings. So that tells you something about the uh, worst good guys in um, fake universes. Yes. Uh, so um, are there any other numbers you want to you want to go over before we continue on? Uh, any, um, any interesting things you want to point out? I want. I just want to say that orcs, um, on average, perform right around average. In fact, a little bit below. So that you know, if you just roll up to a tournament, you're going to get a score of 60 with orcs. Um, but they have 25 first place showings. So, which is very uh, my cool. Fa- which is pretty cool. So that means that there are some orc players who are playing it differently than the majority of orc players. And to my fellow greenskins out there, there is light. There is a way. Keep struggling, guys. Don't give up. And orcs are well well represented in second place and third place finishes. So people are playing orcs and they're winning. Yeah, and I, they're actually 
uh, the highest performing Xenos faction right now in terms of placing. Uh, just looking That's at That's hilarious. The, they're edging out Eldar. <laughs> so, um, so Eldar. Inari. They're, they're, they're edging out Inari. Yeah, yeah. So, so in general, and that's the trend. It's pretty much holds true except for third place finishes, which I mean don't really count too much. Um, uh, yeah, but podium finish feels good. Right. Um. So, but this is actually the what the statistics I'm about to talk about actually kind of fly in the face of what we just said. Um. And that works in terms of their performance overall. Uh. So the final round of statistics I, I have. I'm gonna interrupt oh, go you right away. I think I think where that story like I'm being facetious in a big way. That story will come out. Uh. You know, if and when we ever get down to the actual pairings level of analysis and see because I I bet you orcs can win RTTs pretty pretty easily. But there's something out there that eats them for breakfast. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and guess it's it's chaos. But uh, <laughs> so, that's uh, true. I'll, I'll swing it back over to you. <laughs> so uh, this is something that I pulled up um, personally. It's the the usage statistics or the performance statistics from the top 15 uh, tournaments in 8th edition. So these tournaments um, are all... I'm gonna interrupt Pablo oh, go ahead. One more time. I'm going to interrupt Pablo one more time. We didn't have uh, you know, actual... Uh, we only have we only have sort of final placing statistics here, not uh, records or anything. So everything you're about to hear right now is because Petey Pab, your man, the dedicated chapter tactics podcast leader he went through each one of these results and compiled them himself. There's no Excel here. This is brute force. This is the old school supercomputer at the top of his shoulders. Go ahead, Pablo. Uh, that is that is true. I did um I did have a bunch of clicker counter things to count these factions out. And anyways, thanks thanks for the shout out, Val. But um these tournaments are these are the top 15 tournaments. Each of these tournaments have 50 or more players. Um, are five rounds or more. Um, with a total of 145 players who have placed X and 1 or better. If you're unfamiliar with that terminology, X and 1 simply means that they scored X wins and 1 loss or better. So these are people with 1 loss or 1 tie at most and X number of wins. In this case, 5 or 4 wins, depending on the round of the tournaments. So out of these 145 players, they scored an average of 106.37 ITC points. That is, essentially, they averaged one rtt win period each one um so uh so that that's that's just a this is the cream of the crop these are the best tournaments the largest tournaments with the best players in them um that's where the statistics come from uh there's one tournament i did have to omit unfortunately though they did an amazing job i gave them a shout out earlier warzone atlanta um not only could i not find any results online that showed just the records of battle scores um for that particular event uh, I just I I just didn't find enough information to add Warzone Atlanta to it, so I couldn't. So I had to omit their scores. Um, though if you did add their scores to this overall, you would get a little bit more players. You get 150, 160-ish player, 155-ish players. Um, but it doesn't actually change the actual numbers. Um, because I, the trends were all. And the I same. want to apologize uh, up front, Pablo, because we talked about this yesterday, and I fully have the complete. Uh, statistics for Warzone Atlanta. Damn. Kelly shared his spreadsheets. Uh, so oh. my bad to the general staff, to Pablo. I've embarrassed and dishonored my name. Uh, luckily, it's a fake name, so I'm not too worried. <laughs> so, so uh, unfortunately, uh, Val had those numbers the whole time. Um, that's okay. <laughs> it's it's not it's not that big of a deal. Um, it, the only real significant thing that I would like to add from the Warzone Atlanta is that a single Blood Angels player, Jeff Osborne, who would have made this list. Um, who finished? At, I think he finished four and one um, at Warzone Atlanta. Uh, so uh, Jeff, 
you did a great job with Blood Angels primary. So I would like to add one, add him to this list as well. I did add his list. Um, so moving on. So out of 145 players who placed X and one or better, guard were the top at 23. And, and what do you mean by X and one? So uh, so X and one is once again, um, if they've finished with one loss or one draw or better. So if they've gone okay. five and zero or six and zero. Four and one, or five and one, or four zero and one, and five zero and one. So these are people. These are people who hit fifty plus tournament results, and, and in Nova's case, two hundred plus player results, and did that well. And then one final thing on Nova before we go on. Um, with for Nova, I because it was an eight round event, I only included players who who went uh, six and two or better, right? But they had to have completed all their games. So if you went four and one at Nova, you're not you're not in this because you dropped. Um, but if you went uh, six, six and two, seven, one, seven and one, or eight and zero, oh, no matter what bracket you ended up in, I included you in this list. Because um, if you finish eight rounds and you go six and two, I, I equal that to like going four and one at a smaller event, uh, easily, right? So that's just kind of my thought process. So for Nova, I did increase, I did include players with two losses, um, but they had to have finished all eight rounds. Um, and there were so few of them that, you know, it didn't really matter in the long run. Um, so 23 guard players and, and looking at all these lists, almost all of them were pure guard lists with very, very, mm. very few exceptions. So 23 mm. pure guard lists. Um, you saw all the usual suspects, Wyverns, Conscripts, Primaris Psychers, Celestine Commissars, Manticores, Basilisks, pretty much everything you'd expect from a guard list. Uh, there were there were definitely different flavors, right? Some people included Bulgren, some people um, allied in some assassins, some extra assassin love. Some people did have Celestine, some people didn't. Um, but in general, these guard players all these guardless all played the same. Um, and these are this is by far the highest performing single codex in Eighth Edition, uh, bar none. It is it is the the badass. I expect two or three guard players to make the top eight at the LVO easily. Uh, they are the lists to be. So know your guard codex. Know all the stratagems. Know everything that guard codex does. Number two and number three are both basically the same. They are tied with 21 out of 145 players each uh, at Chaos Soup and Chaos Space Marine. Um, it's Chaos Space Marines. So uh, first off, the Chaos Soup lists, they're probably the most unpredictable lists in 8th edition at the moment in terms of the top lists. Uh, the they're they're just completely random. Like some of them have like Magnus Borcharian and a Renegade Knight. Some of them have a ton of Chaos Space Marines, but with some Chaos Demons. Some of them have Chaos Demons, Malefic Lords, and crazy stuff. Obviously, Malefic Lords are gone, um, so you will see a little bit of a shift in the Chaos Soup list. But in Eighth Edition, if you saw a Chaos Faction primary list um, when you're being paired up, a Chaos Soup Faction primary list when you're being paired up, you did not know what to expect because uh, they were so radically different. Um, and yeah. the, uh, with Chaos Space Marines, which also had 21 out of 145 players who went X and 1, um, these were mostly pure outside of similarities between both Chaos Soup and Chaos Space Marine lists, which were uh, Malefic Lords and Brimstone, so the usual suspects. Uh, Malefic Lords, Brimstones, Mag or Primarchs. Um, so Chaos Space Marine lists were almost pure Chaos Space Marines. They were like Obliterators, Helljakes, Chaos Spawn... Um, Corn Berserkers, Noise Marines, you know, in general, they were pure Chaos Space Marine lists, um, and only diverged into soupiness uh, to include Malefic Lords and Brimstones, primarily. Um, so, 
The Chaos Base Rune lists, the Chaos Soup lists are by far the meta. They are the lists that you will see the majority of in the top yeah. tables. Um, and you should always prepare for them. They are, they've gone beyond Gatekeeper. They're both the Gatekeeper in terms of, because so many people play Chaos. Um, they're both the Gatekeeper and the top list. You need to be able to be Chaos lists. What I find interesting is that although there may not be faction diversity, there's list diversity. Yes. Right? So, like, it's not it's not like one build, uh, you know, like you see in 7th. And maybe that's another big thing that maybe some of our numbers are glossing over is that although there are dominant factions, they're not necessarily being played the same way. Absolutely. And uh, it, you, you definitely see that in Chaos Soup the most. Um, for Guard, I think you can kind of plan for the generic Guard list um, mm-hmm. and do pretty well. Uh, for Chaos Space Marines, there's really three different lists you want to worry about. There's Primarchs, or Primarch, Primarch Good Stuff, which is basically just a Primarch, a hard-hitting unit, um, and a lot of good things like Malefic Lords, or not maybe not Malefic Lords, but Brimstone Horrors, etc. Um, and then there's like Death Guard, which is another type of list, which is placed completely different. Um, and then there's Chaos Space Marine like Classic, which is just all the good stuff that the Chaos Space Marine faction brings. Uh, yeah, you know, like like noise marines, corn berserkers, cultists, cultist bombs, terminators, etc., etc. So th- those are basically the three kinds of chaos based marine lists that you'll see. Um, next fourth is Eldari with 16 out of 145 players. I just dev- decided to combine Inari and Eldari into one faction for this choice specifically um, because I don't see a significant drop in uh, performance from with the nerf, with the Inari nerf. I just see a lot of those Inari players, they're just going to go straight over to Eldar. Um, so this number and, uh, isn't going to change significantly, I feel. So if, we're, if we want to look at like some some counter-meta ideas uh, that, are, that are arising, so if you consider this, that they represent, since Nova anyway, 6% of all armies fielded. Um, you know, that's, a, that's you know much below any of the armies you've talked about so far, and yet you can see that they are getting performance. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tied for fourth place. They're actually tied for third place, um, considering Chaos Soup and Chaos Space Marines are tied for second um, in terms yeah. of performance. So so Eldar are tied for third place with Space Marines, who, um, like Guard, there's not a lot of soup lists in, in Space Marine lists. Um, and there, there's obviously a dramatic shift in the way they're played. Uh, the beginning, the tail end of 8th edition, or the beginning of 8th edition, we saw Storm Raven spam, Gilliman being very, very common. Uh, that's not going to change. It, you know, going into LVO, you're going to see instead of Storm Ravens, you're going to see Fire Raptors, which got a lot cheaper. Fire Raptors and Gilliman is going to be very common. Uh, and then the second list is going to be kind of, kind of like a, a soupy uh, Space Marine list. Um, expect like maybe Grey Knights, Blood Angels, Dark Angels are going to come into prominence now. Uh, so you'll see definitely those kind of lists develop and arise and then finally you'll get your raven guard space marine lists which made up about a fourth of all space marine lists total those raven guard lists are are just really good they get a lot of options to them they're they were all very very diverse some people ran aggressors some people ran lias isodon and devastators uh some people ran uh, more like jump packs and it's just all of the raven guard lists were very different very diverse Mm -hmm. um and also very tactical uh so that's kind of interesting there uh, the, were they all played by Reese? They were all played. Uh, Reese played every single one of them. Reese actually it's only amazing. made the list Defeat. once, um, and and uh, I did. I I was. He, but he made the list. He did. That's true. I made the like, list. Did he, does that mean he actually made the list? No, no, not oh, really. Okay. No. Uh, anyways, 
uh, for Imperial Soup, which came in in fourth place with 13 out of 145 players finishing X and 1. Um, the Imperial Soup lists were as varied as the Chaos Soup lists, though not as much. Um, the Imperial Soup lists were mostly a combination of characters. Actually, no, just, just they, they were almost all combinations of characters. Imperial Soup lists had by far the most characters out of all of the lists, with the That's exception of maybe some of the soup lists with the Malefic Lord counts. But if you take yeah. away Malefic Lords, Imperial Soup lists had by far the most characters. By far the most individual unique characters. Um, you know, Drago, Celestine, Gilliman, Calexus Assassins, um, all, all the Assassins, really. Uh, commissars, Platoon Commanders, Company Commanders, Primaris Psychers. Um, so like that 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 uh, that bogeyman list, the the character spam kind of lives in Imperial Soup. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, it does. Now, obviously, it won't uh, because GW um, did enact the the characters not blocking for their characters thing, and that's going to be beta tested at the Las Vegas Open per their announcement. Uh, so did you just announced the death of Imperial Soup. I did. I did unfortunately. Uh, the maybe the start of death of Imperial Soup. I'm as an Imperial Soup player. Um, I'm actually the second-ranked Imperial, Imperial Suit player in the world right now. Um, Go on. It, it's it kind of makes me happy, uh, just because I don't. I feel like the Imperial Soup and the Chaos Soup factions uh, need to go um, in favor of more diversity. So, anyways, um, that's more it. more <laughs> uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing diversity. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so that that rounds up your top four. After that, we have a significant drop off. So we're going from. 13 Imperial Suit players finishing X and 1 or better, to 6 Chaos Demon players finishing X and 1 better, and uh, Poetry at its best, tied with Grey Knights for top 5 at <laughs> 6 good. Grey Knight players at 145 or better. Um, so though, we can we can guess we can guess at the Grey Knights, but what what have, uh, what have the Chaos Demon players been doing? Uh, the Chaos Demon players are uh, super diverse. There was one guy, there was two guys who ran all Slanesh Demons. Um, were really, really, really interesting. Uh, the, uh, though, I think the majority of the Chaos Demon faction that you saw being represented in this list is probably Zinch. Um, the Chaos Demon primary lists were majority, uh, like, some sort of spam, right? Like, Screamer spam, Demonet yeah. spam. Screamer spam? Plague, plague to, oh yeah! Yeah, Screamers <laughs> are, <laughs> surprise! Um, yep. It, uh, pink horrors obviously bringing obviously I'm not sorry pink horrors a uh, brimstone horrors obviously yeah. being a, a linchpin of those lists um, but that was basically the chaos demon lists um, did you see like cause I, I love dispelling myths uh, on on a show like this did you see any of those uh, lists uh, include like 200 brimstones yes all right there it is yeah. okay so it can uh, work the uh maybe not 200 brimstones but a, a significant number of brimstones. And honestly, all the chaos lists. If if your list was some sort of chaos, if your if units in your list had the chaos keyword, you were running a lot of brimstones in general on average. I didn't count it out. Um, I didn't have that kind of time on hand. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it was significant. It was you know probably an average of four or five units of brimstones per list. It was cool. Ridiculous. Um, and ditto on malefic lords too. Uh. So moving on to Grey Knights, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, out of these six out of 145 Grey Knights, not a single one was pure Grey Knights. Um, mm -hmm. But these Grey Knight lists all looked differently than the Imperial Soup lists and the Guard and Space Marine lists, in that the though they were like how they were all let's be honest they were all half Guard half Grey Knights. Um, out of out of five Grey Knight Terminators, how many Grey Knight Terminators would you give the Grey Knights list that you read? 
three out of five Grey Knight Ooh. Terminators. So, so, so little... And were there any Grey Knight Terminators involved? <laughs> um, Non-character Terminators? No. Uh, <laughs> but these Grey Knight lists definitely had their own flavor. Uh, so they were they were Guard and Grey Knights, but they were also the only lists that you saw uh, Grey Knight Strike Squads in. I guess some Imperium Soup lists had Grey Knight Strike Squads as well. For um, sure. But the majority of these were Grey Knight Strike Squads, uh, the Grey Knight Dreadnought, Grandmaster or Dread Knight Grab- Grandmaster. Grandmaster and a Dread Knight. Yes. Grandmaster and a Dread Knight was very very common. Um, on top of Chaos Terminator Chaos, or I'm sorry, Grey Knight Terminator characters in, um, in abundance that was very common. Uh, Interceptor squads, Strike squads. That was basically what you saw out of the Grey Knight Codex. So basically the good stuff from the Grey Knight Codex. Um, and then Guard backing them up. So uh, the model counts were all significantly Guard, um, but the points were still majority Grey Knights. So those are those are kind of the lists. Uh, Tau at 5, I cannot emphasize how badly Tau fell off the minute codexes were introduced. Um, So we had... And I also want to shout out, one of those is Paul McKelvey at the Wet Coast GT. He came up. He is the number one ranked Tau player in Canada. I know (laughs) know he's been mocked for dropping off of of the the top 10 overall, but he is still number one Tau in Canada. In Canada. A, A California native. (laughs) um but uh so so four out of the five tau players who went x and one were in were in pre-nova or were at nova um or i.e before codexes were introduced really before codexes were really introduced after that since nova only one person has in these in these top 15 tournaments um have have gone x and one with tau uh that's that's a pretty significant drop-off considering there were only five results to begin with anyways. Um, so that's really low. Uh, there were four Harlequin players. Um, who and th- Those were guys who were pretty spread out. Uh, there were four Orc players, though I think this number is very, very misleading, and I almost counted it out. Um, there were a lot of Orcs lists, which were competing at the top tables, but just fell short of X and 1. So what I mean is, is as you're going through the Best Coast pairing, as I was going through the BCP pairings on these tournaments... Uh, the top three tables going into the final round, like there were a lot of orcs there. There, I would probably say that there were probably like the third or fourth most represented faction in terms of top tables pre-final round. Um, so which means they were. You and, know, and did you in, did you because did you am, am I one of the four? I don't think so. I think I wouldn't be. No, cause no, you don't cause have wars in Atlanta. There's on there. five. There's there's five. I, Anyways, I, was, I think I you lost. One. Didn't you lose one? Tie oh. one at Warzone Atlanta. Nope. No, I was I was four and one. Oh well. You know what? There's five orc players now. Boom. Bam. Boom. Done. Good thing um, I was here to catch your mistakes. <laughs> um so uh, by the way, I uh, uh this just in. There's breaking news. Uh Paul McKelvey has dropped to fourth place in, in the Tau rankings for Canada, no longer leading. Oh no. Paul Sorry to take that away from you, Paul. Paul, you gotta you gotta step it it's up. It's dropping man. like a rock. You gotta step up your game. Uh, it's okay. He probably fell after codexes were introduced. Every codex that got introduced <laughs> dropped Paul one lower down in Canada. That's that's how I like to think about it. It's number one in our hearts, though. <laughs> uh, so sisters, um, three sisters players finished X and one or better at these large events. Uh, two of these came from Adrian Gignard, the French menace, who uh, dominated pre and at Nova, um, and then moved shout on, out for being france french as well yeah 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 french french um who moved on and hopefully he'll be at the lvo uh adrian Gennard. um and then ken eubanks who i did lose to i was um one celestine charge 
oh, actually, multiple Celestine charges away from uh from making this only two Sisters of Battle players instead of three. But Ken Eubanks did edge me out in a really good game. Ken played really, really well. Um, absolutely destroyed me, I think, tactically. Uh, so, anyways, um, Sisters three, Gene Stiller Colt players three, and then two Dark Angels players. Uh, but I expect Dark Angels, Blood Angels, and Space Wolves to go up, especially at the LVO. I think you'll see a lot of players at the LVO, a lot of Blood Angels, Dark Angels, and Space Wolves players at the LVO go X and 1. Um, of course, Jeff Osborne being the single Blood Angels player. And then a, a number that's kind of interesting, only one Tyranid player uh, finished X and 1 or better, period. Um, Jeff in control, Robinson could, hasn't cut it out, hasn't made the cut yet at any so large major events. Top five... Uh... Uh, uh, factions for usage and uh, only one X and one finish. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really strange how many people are playing Tyranids. Uh, and the the lone Tyranid player was actually Nick Nanavati, um, who just recently at the Portal the Portal Winter CT GT. Uh, I, I think I just butchered that name, but that was the most recent one. Uh, we talked about it last episode. It was it was a slobber knocker event with a lot of players who were in the top 10 in the ITC attending. Uh, Nick Nanavati did well at that one, so he that's where he came from. That's where that one Tyranid player came from. So that number probably will go up. Uh, Tyranids did just get their codex, not to fear. Also one Necron player and one Imperial Knights player, and that rounds out your 145 players. Uh, not very, honestly, very, very predictable. Uh, the highest used factions outside of Tyranids are, are of course, the top performing factions at large tournaments uh so that makes perfect sense uh one interesting name not on there at all uh admec is a top 10 uh for faction faction usage in eighth uh has not had a good finish uh who else is uh, a bit of a bummer on this list necron squeezed one in there i was i was happy to see that is that diogo that must be diogo yeah it is diogo with his wraiths yeah i think yeah. i think so um, so uh so yeah that's uh but that yeah the only one that is not actually top 10 for usage um so that is top 10 for usage but didn't appear on that list would be admic yeah and and admic didn't have a lot of first place scorings they only had six first or six first place placings um in eighth edition so far so they're very very low uh in terms of placings in general um yep. i think i think there's a key few admic players who are really really good you know, Rob Porter is an excellent example from Alaska. Um, you know, I think other than maybe one or two Admic players, I don't think you're going to see Admic players do well at the LVO uh, just because there's not a lot of them. And, I mean, let, let's be real here. A lot of, like, look at Jeff in Control Robinson. He switched immediately from Admic to Tyranids. Yeah. He was like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to, Admic are going to be my placeholder until Tyranids get better. Boom, Tyranids get better. Uh, I'm moving on. And I think that's going to be the case with a lot of Admic players, uh, just because they're yep. such an easy army to just get into real quick. And and, and I think maybe you know that speaks to the idea of list diversity. One, one problem Admic has is that it's a relatively new faction. doesn't even have transports yet. Um, hopefully Forge will fix that very soon, but like, um, you know, maybe it's just, you know, people really wanted to go play those more diverse, interesting armies. Yeah. Um, you know, some other ones that, uh, you know, you don't see on that list at all, like Space Wolves don't show up, Dark Angels don't show up. Um, so that's why I'm kind of impressed by things like Grey Knights, uh, punching way above their weight. Um, also, uh, you know, just seeing, um, 
uh, Harlequins way above their rate weight. I mean, they they're like almost one percent of all all things. I mean, Gene Stealer Cults has I don't how, who are those people that did that? Uh, Michael <laughs> That's Snyder. Crazy. Michael Snyder, I think, is all three of those Gene Stealer Colt. So Mike Snyder, Mike Snyder from Relentless um, D, my team. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Well, he that is some crafty, crafty work there. Like, I mean, like less than. So there's been 80 tournament entries. I bet you he's 40 of them. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, Mike Snyder, Mike Snyder's Gene Stealer Colt list has a lot of guard elements. So there's no, it's no surprise that that he did well with his lists. Um, though he is Mm -hmm. also a really good player. Um. Yep. You know, he consistently makes the top 20 at the LVO and does really well at events. Um, so, yeah, that, but that's pretty much it, guys. Those are all the statistics we have for you. Uh, this episode was very long. Like I said, I will try. I will include a timestamp. If I forget to include the timestamp because uh, editing it. editing takes forever, uh, I do apologize. Uh, just go ahead and let me know in those comments, and I will include it. But once again, that's been 2017. The year is over. We have a whole new codex release, slew of codex releases coming up still. So to... I, I want to. I'm a finance guy, and uh, I, I fully believe I see a lot of doubters out there, like just for some reason thinking that GW is just going to abandon its release schedule. My call: all codex is released. I have absolutely no insider knowledge aside from a gut. All codex is released before the end of Games Workshop's fiscal, which is June. I think that's the pace they're aiming for. So I think everyone who doesn't have a codex will have one, uh, basically, uh, within a year of Eighth Edition dropping, which is crazy. That yeah. Do you got any predictions for the year? Uh, What's for, your prediction for 2018? 2018? I, yeah, I predict none. I predict that yeah, Space Marines will finally fall out of the average and will be replaced by a new faction that will go up in usage. Um, I'm not sure which yet, but um, I just I feel. I feel like with Dark Angels, Space Wolves, and Blood Angels, uh, they will go up in usage, which means Space Marine players in general will go down in usage, because uh, they all have to go. They all, all those Blood Angels, Dark Angels, and Space Wolves players have to come from somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they'll probably get maybe replaced. new players. Uh, pro- definitely new players. Um, it really depends on on GW's Primark releases. Honestly, I, I think we will get two new Primarks in 2018. No insider knowledge at all. Uh, this is just just based off of based off of what we got last this year. Uh, we got Gilliman this year. I guess we got Magnus in 2016. Oh, we got Mortarian this year. We got Gilliman. You got, and you got a spring. You get a spring and a fall Primark. Right. So I think we'll so get the same that's thing. That's ten years of. That's like what another eight years of content for oh, them. Yeah, easily. Like they're they could do so much with that. But I think we'll get two new Primarks in 2018, and those will those Primarks will of course drastically shape the way the meta is. Um. So it should be very very interesting. Uh, I predict that it will be the lion, um, just because he's the easiest okay. Imperium Primarch to predict, and probably Angron. I, I feel I feel like they need the round. I think those are both Lizzie. really good. Yeah, I, I just I feel yeah, like I they... think those are good guesses, and they'd be yeah. fun guesses because you know you, you, yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into it, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think before I let you wind it up, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish, but uh, <laughs> I just want to shout out one more time. Uh, none of this, if you found this remotely interesting, if you thought this was, hey, that's cool, my game has all these neat numbers and stuff, well, couldn't have happened without our friends at Best Coast Pairings. Uh, you know, uh, again, if you if you can, if you if you chip in a few bucks to mini wargaming and you like competitive play, chip a few bucks over to uh, to, to Best Coast Pairings, give them a, give them a subscription fee, helps them out, and uh, it will also help 
free up their time so they can help get us more data, more fun stats to look at so we can do actual deeper analysis. So best coast pairings for life. Right. And to expand that's on the, that. That's the number four and then L-Y-F-E for life. <laughs> and to expand on that further, if you want pairings, if you want analysis um, where you, Dark Eldar, how often Dark Eldar can beat orcs at an ITC championships event mission um, or or how often Space Marines beat Chaos Space Marines in Europe or whatever, you know, in-depth, crazy analysis. Uh, Best Coast Pairings, those are the guys to do it. Those are the, the front runners for statistics like that. <clears throat> so I, I I can't emphasize it enough. Uh, Val pretty much took everything, all the words out of my mouth. Best Coast Pairings, BCP Player App is what it's called in your app store. Download it. You don't have to give them a subscription if you don't want to, but I highly recommend it. Give them a subscription if you love this episode, if you love their work. It helps them out a lot. So, it helps It helps tournament organizers. It helps uh, this game get a little bit more serious. I tell you what, and I'm just I'm just hypothesizing here, this kind of data will help this game get better because Games Workshop will listen to it as well. Absolutely. So the more data we get into BCP, the more tournaments participate in it, the more people get their numbers into the machine, the better this game gets, the more fun it gets, the cooler conversations we can have. So BCP all the way. Absolutely. Okay, guys, that's been 2017. It's been a really fun year been 50 episodes since 2016 of chapter tactics uh, you guys have have made me one of the larger monthly downloaded podcasts podcasts in 40k Pod- podcasts 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 that's been a long day uh and i'm very very eternally grateful for that you guys are the best listeners ever i try to tell you guys Pablo. that every week you know, we got one of your listeners here and we, we would like to thank you pablo for for being there with us for 50 episodes Thank you. Thanks, Val. And Merry Christmas to you and yours. Oh, thank you. And to you guys listening, driving your cars, sitting, painting models, driving with some buddies, hanging out. Happy holidays. Be safe. And we'll see you guys in 2018.